Good morning. You guys doing all right? All right. If you're in the room, you're more than welcome to stand and worship with us. If you're uh, checking us out on the internet, logging in at your home, back porch, boat, wherever you may be, join in with us this morning.
not already standing and you'd like to for the reading of scripture so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus and because you belong to him 
The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies that we have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sin. He did this so that just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. I cast my mind to Calvary with Jesus.
was good. It's good. To, uh, Hob came back this week. We haven't seen him in over a year. And, he, and when the singing wakes up, you sing good today, Hob. I'm just kidding. He didn't sing out loud too much. But man, it's good to see so many of you back. Every week we have some uh, folks coming out of the COVID hiding. And I get that. You're getting the shots and stuff. And we're so glad to have you guys back. For those of you who <coughs> watch online, there's nothing like being here in person. It's just listen to the music and chat. Great package and the worship team and focuses on Jesus. And oh, what a good morning. Um, not, not good enough not to preach, but um, so um, a couple of things that I want to highlight as we come out of our COVID fog or whatever it was we've been in. Uh, let me highlight some things that have changed and are probably going to stay a little bit different just so you're aware. Um, and that is uh, one, one of the things that you'll be noticing that because we don't have bulletins in here, um, uh, you, don't, you don't get a prayer guide. And so over the last few months, you've been getting them, those of you who we have your email address, we've been sending them to you on Fridays uh, through the email so that you can get them and be praying for people in our church that are sick or have need. Uh, and those will continue. Well, we've been talking, and we tried something a few weeks ago, and we've been talking as a staff, and we are now going to be doing our bulletin virtually. And so along on Fridays, either Thursday or Friday, you will be getting an email from the church office Office that will have both the prayer guide as an attachment and also the uh, announcements. And you'll notice there's announcements for children's ministry. There, it'll keep you updated on what's going on in our student ministry, adult Bible studies and different things. And also one of the things we're putting in there is a uh, kind of a, a prelude to what I'll be preaching on Sunday with a little note about it so that you can read it together as a family, the text that we'll be in, and kind of come knowing where we're going. And uh, so I want to encourage you to do that. I do want to warn you that if you, uh, at the bottom of those emails, it does say unsubscribe. If you're not, a, if you're not, uh, if Carver's Way is not the place you're at, you don't want to receive those, you can hit that button. But if you get up, I don't know who controls that. We don't control it here. Our service does. You almost have to petition Washington, D.C. and the Department of Motor Vehicles in order to get back on that list. But uh, I do want to encourage you to take some time and look at those things. That is how we're going to communicate with you. It's the easiest way to widespread that, inf spread that information. Um, and it is in a PDF format, which means you can actually click on that and look at it on your phone or your iPad or something like that. So take some time to look at that. If you have questions, call the office. We're trying to find uh, different ways of doing the old stuff. And hello, Miss Jean. Gene Chapman is here. I've been looking for you. It's good to see you. Welcome home. It's good to see you, Miss Jean. Um, and uh, but anyway, so please be noting that. And I know things are changing. Uh, it's it's we save so much money by not doing paper bulletins. Uh, maybe sometime we'll go back to that. Also, as you note, we don't pass the offering plate. Um, people don't want to touch what other people are touching. It's, it's fine. We can just, it, it, there's not a format in the Bible to give. So we have the boxes or you can give online, however you give. And I, you know, I, I just want to let you know that that's, it, at least for the foreseeable future, that's how we're going to continue doing this. And I want to thank you for your faithful giving. And, uh, and that's just some, some updates. Uh, if you are, have been visiting Carpenter's Way or you're new um, or you're watching online and you want an update on the prayer list and you want to uh, know what's going on at the church, if you will just email the church office, you can email me, mark at cwbc.org, or jeff at cwbc.org, or Wendy. There's a, there's, a, there's a system there. 
It's at cwbc.org. Just pick the name of the person you want to write to. Um, Mark, Jeff, Alicia, Wendy, Dolores. Um, uh, complaint, the complaint department. Uh, it's complaints at cwbc.org. That goes into a particularly loved file. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We don't have that email address. Okay. So, but, uh, but yeah, if you'll just uh, email us, we'll make sure to put you on that list. Uh, also, if you're here and, and you don't get our emails, so how would you know? Because you would have gotten an email on Friday from us or Thursday. If you did not get one this week from us, as you leave, there's a welcome table out there. It says, Welcome CWBC. Uh, if you'll go out there on that table is a, is a card and just put your information there. And uh, I'll have some people at that table who will collect those cards and we'll make sure you're on it. Again, or you can call the office. We want you to know what's going on. There's lots of stuff going on, especially as we get towards summer. So uh, that's all that. I do want to talk with you as a family for just a second um, because I I, I kind of want us, you know, coming out of COVID allows us to have more honest conversations about what church is and what church is not. So let's have a conversation again on something we have all agreed to. Church is not really an evangelistic outreach. It's a discipleship entity. And I, and I hope you understand that. What that means is this. It means that we come together to grow in our knowledge and relationship with the Lord and encourage each other. That's why we gather. Uh, over the years, and I don't know why it became this, but over the years, it, it kind of became a place you brought your unsaved friends. And, and if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hear in the message this morning how to know him. And we want to present the gospel each time we, we get together. But our primary responsibility, according to Scripture, is to actually disciple one another. And um, over the years, you know, it's only been the past 150 years or 200 years that there has been a priority on children. The discipleship of children. Uh, the church, when America started, didn't have children's ministry. In fact, up in the Northeast, if you get to ever travel there, you will notice that your family, with your tithing, would get a box. And yes, sometimes if you gave more money, you'd get a better box. Um, in a Baptist church, I guess that's in the back. But in, in those churches, it would be up at the front. But you would bring your children, and you would bring your dog to keep your feet warm, and you would actually come in, and you would sit in church, and you would have a, it would be enclosed in a community church, and you would sit there, and so the kids could play on the floor and lots of different things. They didn't have Sunday school. One of the wonderful things about the programming in our country is over the last 150 years, uh, with D.L. Moody and others, they started to minister to children in the church to reach them for Christ and disciple. And you and I benefited from that, and we sort of just thought it always happened. But as time has gone, and we've understood what the church is supposed to be, we are a discipleship entity. But in that, child care has become sort of a, in our minds, babysitting so that the parents can grow and learn. That is not what we do here. Not in student ministry and not in children's ministry. And I say that to tell you where we are right now in our children's ministry. We have a very vibrant disciple in children's ministry. Uh, Alicia and I were talking this week. Who, uh, Alicia is the pastor of our children's ministry. And she was telling me that last Wednesday night they were teaching Romans 8, which is what Chad's song is all about, which, by the way, you didn't write that. Paul did, you thief. You put music to it, but Chad's new song that we sang, uh, it's, it's Romans 8, and she was teaching Romans 8 to our kids and talking about, now, now get this, this isn't just Noah's Ark or David and Goliath, but she was, I almost want to call her up here and let her share the story, but she'll start crying. She has tear ducts that are active all the time. <laughs> and as a man, I don't know what to do with that. I do. 
and I'm, I'm going to mess this story up a little bit, but basically a child on Wednesday night got up and shared some of the difficulty that she has been going through and how she learned to trust the Lord. And they sang a song about faith. Now look, look, that, that's, that's awesome, but I, I want you to know that we are moving beyond. There's new material that she's using this year. It's the, it's, uh, the Gospel Project, right? And it is scripture. It takes in a two-year period, two to three-year period, it is the goal of this material to get our children through the whole Bible. Our goal is by the time they get into our student ministry, they have had an active, they have walked through the scriptures. And so there's two things. Anyway, so Wednesday night she was teaching about difficulty and pain and trusting the Lord that he never leaves you, which is what the end of Romans 8 is about. How about that in our discipling of children? I mean, that is awesome lessons, okay? God did not have David beat Goliath because we can discover the five smooth stones that defeat the giants in our life. That's not what that's about. It's about a young guy who trusted in his God and said, I can't even imagine God not winning here. I just trust the Lord. That's what it's about. And that's what we're doing in discipleship. Having said that, there's two things I want to say. Number one, I realize that it is difficult to get your kids here, and I realize that it's easy to stay home. And, and, and just watch online. Uh, again, it adds 20 pounds or 50. But um, I get that. But you need to be here. Amen. If you can. I, I, some of you are concerned about COVID. I respect that. I'm not saying that. And when you get the flu, you need to stay home. And when your kids are snotty, they need to stay home. But short of that, bring them because we're discipling your kids. Number two, uh, as adults come back and as we've gotten out of routine, we're lacking, uh, we're lacking disciplers. Uh, in that ministry. And that's not, okay, i got to say this as politically incorrect as I can. That's not a staff problem. We are not going to hire children disciplers. Okay, that's not Carpenter's Way's way. Um, that's not what we do. We just let the body know that we need you to be involved in the ministry. Okay? And, and, and we, we do. We need that. It starts, and, and some of you are like, well, I can't teach. Well, it starts with being a kid hugger. And what is required of you to be a kid hugger? You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You will have to voluntarily do a background check because that's the day in which we live. And number three, you need to be actively walking with God. I mean, you, you, you can't be living in a state that doesn't reflect the teachings of Scripture. So those are the things we need. And it may take you out of adult Bible study. You're going to miss the best preaching in the world. But having said that, that was a joke that didn't go well. But having said that, we record this. You can watch it later. But uh, we especially have need during the 11 o'clock hour and then on Wednesday nights. And uh, I know that some of you have stepped away because you have to wear a mask. Or that's done, right? The mask thing. Congratulations, I've made it public. So... So if you want to wear a mask, you can, but some of you have issues, physical issues, and it keeps you, but, but we want you t discipling our children. Um, and um, if you, you know, so that's that. Uh, and and I, I always commit that I'm going to bring it to you if there's a financial problem, and thank you, we're doing fine right now. That doesn't mean don't give, because we won't be doing fine then. But also in discipling, we, we need some of you to jump back into discipling, and some of you at home, this, here's your sign. So um, that's that. Did I miss anything, Alicia? Anything you want to add? I did a good job, except for that I can't keep a secret. The staff says, don't tell Pastor Mark anything because he can't keep it because he'll tell it from the pulpit. So, okay. All right. So we love you. Alicia's around. If you have questions, Casey, you can ask her. You can come to me. Um, and uh, we, we at, above all else, we want to disciple 
especially our kids in our student ministry. And you have committed to that in our student ministry with hiring Adam and his wife, and they're doing a bang-up job already, and we got all these camps going. I think it's hilarious because it's going to fit into the message. I found out, who are the two men going with you to camp his way? Jameson Hilliard and Justin White. Let's pray. Let's pray for your word. Thank you for your family. Thank you that, thank you that you use us. Now let us want to be used. And I pray that we would encourage each other. We'd have laughter and enjoy. And um, we do love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Acts 12, verse 24, last week's, the end of last week's text. But God's good news, and remember, that's the word gospel. We throw the word gospel around like in terms of religiosity. But it's good news. That's what we share. That's what Paul is sharing. The good news. You don't have to die in your sin. You can have a right relationship with God. That's really, really good news. But God's good news was spreading rapidly, and there were many, many new believers. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission in Jerusalem, they returned to Antioch, taking John Mark with them. Among the prophets and teachers of the church, now notice the word among, so Luke wants you to know who some of these leaders are. And I think it's a funny list, that's why I point that out. Among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. If you have been with us in recent weeks in our look at Acts, then you realize that the Christians in Jerusalem at this time, at the time of the writing of this, who were mostly Hebrews, had their own short-sighted, nationalistic look at what a Christian was. Um, actually, we looked at this last week in Acts 11, verse 19, that tells us that the believers who had been scattered be during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God. But look at that last sentence. But only to the Jews. Uh, this wasn't be because they were mean or they wanted Gentiles to go to hell, but because they, they really believed they, and they thought Christianity would be built upon a strong Hebrew foundation, which is not true. It's not true. The, the story of the gospel is built on the foundation of God's mercy and grace, not on Judaism. Yes, under the old system, that was the governing, that was the, uh, Galatians says, the foster parent keeping them until Jesus Christ, the Messiah, solved the problem. But, but they thought that, that Christianity would be built upon a strong Hebrew foundation. The persecution of Jesus' followers that began at the killing of Stephen uh, was also God was working in them, not just presenting the gospel out, kind of what we're talking about about the church, but he was also transforming the way that Peter thought and the way that Christians thought. And that was very, very hard adjustment for them. It, it is, uh, remember Romans 12, 2, we looked at this last week, says that God will change the way we behave by changing the way we think. Too often, we count on guys like me to get up in front and say, you're wrong on this, now fix it. But actually, genuine life transformation, worldview changing, happens as a result of the Holy Spirit within us. 
Uh, if you grew up Baptist, the Holy Spirit is the right to convict of sin. He's kind of an unknown force like it's Star Wars. For those of you who are maybe Pentecostal or charismatic, the Holy Spirit was the one who was the right to convict of sin. And for some reason, He lives within us. He convicts us. He changes us. He speaks to us. He guides us. He directs us. And he is in the process, however slow it is, to transform the way these Hebrew believers thought, not just of their ministry, but of Christianity as a whole. That's a problem for them, and it's a problem for us, because we're pretty sure we know what God is doing, or at least what he should do. Okay? I'm going to say that again. We are pretty confident, self-confident, that we know what God is doing in America, or at least should be doing. And the truth is, well, the first verse of, uh, of Acts 13 reveals just how out of the box God's movement was. And that's why Luke highlights it. Among the prophets and teachers of the, Anti of the church of Antioch of Syria, okay, among them. So he's not listing the whole group, but he wants you to know this group. Luke wants us to know the identity of some of the leaders of the church in Antioch. Well, first he mentions Barnabas. He was a Jew from Cyprus. He would have been acceptable to all. Not a big deal. He was accepted, expected to be a leader in this church. Then there was Simeon, called the black man. This is what we know of Simeon is he was a black Jew who lived and moved in Gentile circles. Unusual for a person of Hebrew culture to be in a leadership, but nonetheless, pretty acceptable. Then it gets weird. You have Lucius from Cyrene. This would most likely make him a non-Jew because he's from North Africa, which is no bueno. I know that's not Jewish or African, but it is something we understand. No bueno. To have a Gentile African leading a Christian Hebraic ministry is not something that was very common. And then, there's Mannion. This must have really thrown them off. Luke wants us to know that Mannion was the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas. That's ridiculous. You see, King Herod Antipas was the one who had John the Baptizer's head removed. Most of these people, if not all of them, had been deeply affected by the teachings of John the Baptizer. He was one of their mentors, one of their heroes. Even if they'd never heard of him, he was one of their And yet, this is the childhood best friend of the guy who removed his head. That's a problem. Have you ever seen somebody in the church that you didn't think belonged there? This guy's in leadership. And then, the last one? Now, we're accustomed to it. But they weren't. Saul. Saul was a leader in that church. I mean, he's responsible for the arrests and deaths of many of their family members and friends, most notably Stephen. Our gut, their gut instincts about God's work surely would have been not directed in this way. And our gut instincts about God's work or what he should be doing or he should be using is often wrong. For instance, when I heard that Justin White is going on our children's ministry thing. I thought I should send Jack Stevenson to watch him. 
And then I heard that Hilliard is going, and I realized, forget it, there's no saving those kids. The, the truth is, what an awesome thing for these two godly men, one with wild hair, to actually be working with our children. You know, what we don't want is a bunch of Baptists with polyester suits on mentoring our kids. We want real men. We want men to teach our boys how to be men of God. So we don't ask Hillary to cut his hair. We ask him to be a man of God. I don't ask Justin to stop being so weird. I just asked him to be a weird man of God. And the truth is all of us are in that boat. There's not one of us in this room that somebody else in this room can't point to and say, he's a cheater, he's a liar, he's a thief. Everybody but Julie. Julie's not like that. But there's not one of us in this room that's not guilty of one thing or another at one time or another. The problem we haven't isn't identifying ourselves in that way. It's actually living out the Lord's Prayer. Forgive others. Forgive me, Father, as I forgive others. You know, that is the Lord's Prayer. It asks God to forgive us as we have forgiven others. It doesn't matter if they ask for forgiveness. The truth is that God has shown you grace and upon grace before you even knew you needed it. And that's the character of the church. The character of the church doesn't accept your frustration, anger, hurt, offense, just because you have the right to be offended and you've been hurt. But the truth is, this is a mercy movement. And I want to remind you that the body of, that, that mercy is not getting what you deserve. It's not getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Are you having a good day? Yeah, I'm not going to hell. That's always a good day. That's mercy. Grace is giving, being given what we don't deserve, this. What a wonderful morning in worship. I mean, I think, okay, so Easter was awesome, you know, and that, that partial Johnny Cash song that Chad sang. And we all had so much fun with that. But do you know what that made special? You. I, I'm up here all the time. When you are engaged and clapping and celebrating, man, Chad loses himself. We want Chad to forget himself when he leads worship. I want him to, I want him to dance with the guitar. When I say something that's difficult to hear and you just stare at me, it freaks me out. Even if it's true. But when you go, yeah, that's right. Man, it spurs me on. This isn't easy what we do. Because it goes against our flesh, you guys. Every part of it. I... Man, it's just hard living here. Especially when we bought into our country being a Christian country. It's not. It may have been founded on Judeo-Christian laws and the Ten Commandments and stuff, but I'm not sure that the value system of this country has ever been truly biblical. That, that's different. Those are two. I'm not saying it's not a great country. I'm not saying I'm not thankful I'm here. I'm not hating on our country. I'm simply saying we have to own what is. It, it, this, this country was founded on, on Judeo-Christian laws, the Ten Commandments specifically. Personal responsibility, a lot of the laws built on that. And then when you fall short, it was built on uh, grace. That's the law. And our country was founded on that. But we can go back and, and we can look at things from slavery to, to interactions with the Indians and others. The country is not based upon the, the fruit of the Spirit. You can't say it is. You have to explain the fruit with some of the things we've done. And we all know that. But the church should always exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. 
Always. Well, how do we do that? Not by working harder, but by surrendering. You see, the trick to the trick to you being a man of God or you being a woman of God or me being a man of God is not working harder. We found that out with legalism, didn't we? It doesn't make you better. It makes you bitter. I mean, it was so hard that our deacons in the churches we grew up with would, would say the charter that we will not drink and would sneak out back and drink and smoke during the service. I mean, it's just, they're just why not? I mean, when you realize you don't measure up. But the, but the truth is that we are here because of God's mercy and his grace. And, and that's why these guys were qualified. That's why, that's why Jameson and Justin are qualified. That's why I'm qualified. Oh my gosh, that's why I'm qualified. And because I have really nice hair. That's the other thing. I want to point out, some of you last week said, it, it looks like a, a mullet in the light. Oh, it does. See, I took, my, I took my family tent camping a month ago, and I lit a fire. I'm going full Texan, you guys. It's just beginning. I don't have my next haircut for six weeks. It's going to be here. I'm going to put a little braid in it with a cross on it, so you'll think it's great. Okay, we all good? Everybody lighten up a little bit? Because you know, you know everything I'm saying is And if you doubt it, let me read you from Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 31. The message of the cross is foolish to those headed for destruction. It's going to tell us why. But we who are saved know it is the very power of God. As the scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does that leave philosophers and scholars and the world's, world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of the world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Paul's even going, it's nuts what I do. He's used me. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. It's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended. The Gentiles say it's nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, and here he's, now he's going for the gut. Few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. That's not very nice, Paul. We're talking about those smart people who are really dumb in God's eyes. Yeah, well, now I'm talking about you. Instead, God chose the things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. What if the world is right and we're dumb? Only in their eyes. Not in God's, you guys. It says here that God chose us because we're foolish. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be the wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scripture says, if you, boast in, if, if you want to boast... If you have to brag, brag only about the Lord. You know, that's so true, isn't it? You know, there's too many churches with sign, signposts. There's, there's too, many, too many churches with t-shirts that say, visit Carpenter's Way. It should say, meet God. I mean, I, I struggle with, Zach and I were talking about this this week. I guess there's a place to promote our church. I just don't know where it is. I just want to promote Jesus. If we fill this room of people who do not love Jesus, we have accomplished nothing. 
so we're going to stay on Jesus. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard for you. But he is really all we got. He really is. He's all we got. So back to Acts 13, verse 2. One day, as these men, who? Well, among them was these, this eclectic group. I'll use that because it sounds better. This crazy group of church leaders that included a murderer of Christians, a murderer of John the Baptizer, one of their heroes. I mean, it's just insane who God uses, isn't it? One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, okay, so now we know they're personally invested. They're praying, they're seeking God, they're worshiping. The Holy Spirit said, I want you to appoint uh, Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So Saul at this time is just a member of this church. He's just a leader in the church. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, you know what, it's time for Barnabas and Saul to go on a missionary journey. I'm calling them out. So after more fasting and prayer... So let's pause there for a second. The idea in the church today among some is that God speaks to you and you just go. You've got to test the spirits. It's never, you know, it's okay. Yeah, you know, the Lord may say, don't you trust my voice? Yes, I trust your voice, but I just want to make sure it's your voice. Sometimes Satan, you know, sounds a lot like you. Forgive me. But I, I like this after more fasting and prayer. Luke wanted us to know that it wasn't just a whim. It wasn't just a gut feeling. It wasn't bad Jewish pizza. They pray and fast more, and then they lay their hands on them, and they sent them on their way. So now, like Jesus said they would, you're going to be my disciples in Jerusalem. I want you to go to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to send you out from there, from Judea, Samaria. And they did that because of persecution. They felt like everything's out of control. But wherever they went, they talked with Jesus, and people were getting saved. And now, as a result of it spreading beyond there, we have this Gentile church in Antioch, predominantly Gentile. There are Jews there. But we have a Gentile church in, in, in Antioch actually laying hands on two of their leaders to send them out as missionaries. By the way, it's exactly what we do. The church has not changed that much. We're very much like her. We're selfish and, and nationalistic and wrong-headed and still needing grace, don't we? And our leadership, well, you know who's leading our children's camp. So... It is what it is. And I gotta say something. And we sit down around a table and we laugh for forty five minutes and do five minutes of business. And then we pray for you. Do you know why? Because we can't help you. God can. We pray for you. Because you are God's. You you you're you're God's. You're, you are God's child. You're his person, you're his chosen one. And our job is to, to, to give you back to him. And so we pray for you. We pray for your courage and your strength. And, and every Monday morning, and we laugh together, and we, we, we talk about how, you know, we just talk about how to, how to best minister to you. But ultimately, we are all fully aware of our weakness. And I, I, I love that. It's a wonderful thing. It's a badge to wear. So Barnabas and Saul, verse 4 says, were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Wow, look at that. I thought that verse ahead of them said that the church sent them out. They did, but we minister on behalf of God. You realize the job of a pastor is not to preach to you his ideas in relation to what's going on in culture. The pastor's idea, the pastor's job is to study, to show himself approved so he can tell you what God, the senior pastor, wants you to know. That's difficult, by the way. Because I'd rather preach happy sermons every Sunday. I'd rather dog the people we don't like, uh, lift up the people we love, and laugh a little bit, and tell you a cute story, and then pray, and then go on our way. But that's not how the Scripture is. The Scripture is constantly telling us to gird ourselves up for war, to prepare ourselves for what's coming. It, it, it reminds me to remind you that God is faithful. 
And they were sending Barnabas and Paul out as sheep among wolves. And what's crazy is they didn't really send them out. The Holy Spirit sent them out. So they went down to the seaport of Seleucia and they sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they, they went to the Jewish synagogues and they preached the word of God. John Mark were, went with them as their assistant. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until full, they, uh, finally they reached Paphos where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Barjesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit with this sorcerer. For he wanted to hear the word of God as well. But Elymas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Uh, to remind you, Paul and Barnabas were not sent out for religious, cultural, or nationalistic agendas. They were sent out to do spiritual warfare. This was a spiritual war. That's why Satan sent one of his servants to interrupt the ministry they were about to have with a Roman religious or Roman leader. I, I want to remind you that it's not just bad kids in a culture that you teach in your class. That's, that's true, but you're in spiritual war. I want to remind you online that the fear you have about COVID, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be afraid. I buckle my seatbelt every time. I've had the vaccinations. I wore a mask. I still try to wear a mask when people come in so they know they can wear masks. But the truth is, if Satan is using that to shut you down, that is not God. If it keeps us, if the year off has kept us from ministering, that's not God. And I promise you that Satan is not going to show up with horns and a red cape and a pitchfork. Because you would know, you know, that's Lucifer over there. Don't listen to him. But he comes up with good things. Fleshy things. Reason that your offense is an exception than all the other offenses are the ones God talks about. Reasons for why you really don't need to serve. You know, there's no retirement in the kingdom. We need older, faithful saints to be serving our children. Not for child care, but discipleship. We need that. They need that. We need older married couples to, to talk of their love for each other and their love for God and how they made it. Because younger couples don't know that there's a future for them because they married an idiot. <laughs> what they don't know is that when you're 85, and I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, so forgive, so just take it. At 85, you look like the cutest couple ever. You actually look like each other. What people don't know is you hate each other. <laughs> or have at times. And it's really important that you teach us how you got through that. See, that's why we've got to be together. Because you can't do that on the internet. You can listen to me talk on the internet, but you can't do that. We've got to mentor each other. We've got to disciple each other because the world is telling us that this is old. It's because this isn't about time and history and clocks and calendars. It's about the Holy Spirit. And we are under attack at every level from the evil one. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 10, it tells us that we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. 
We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. That's a fancy way of saying we come up against lies. That's the battle we're in. We speak the truth. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. That's spiritual warfare. No, that's just apologetics. It's spiritual warfare. It's not just there. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says a final word. Last thing I want you guys to know, Ephesus, is be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Oh, wow. So the devil has strategies? Yes, against you. Well, I'm not that important. Yes, you are. There are so many demons that when you were born, they know you. You probably, and I don't know how they work, but it is reasonable to believe. Just the right time to take your eyes off Jesus. That is the strategies of the devil. They're all lies, but we sure do like them. I refuse to fill in the blank. I just don't fill in the blank. You see, for the child of God, it's not about me. It's about God. And it's not, I will never, it is, what do you ask of me, Lord? It's Samuel saying, speak, Lord, your servant hears. I'm listening. But the problem is, is that, that, that Satan has effectively used all of the great programming of the church to turn this into a program. Church is not a program, it's not a cultural activity, it's the body of Christ, and it's happening this morning in Africa, and it's happening in Iran, and it's happening in China, and it's happening in large churches, in orthodox places, and it's happening in homes, and in basements, and in valleys, and in alleyways, it's happening all over the world. We go home soon. Do not be deceived by this nasty building. And it's not a nasty building. This is a great building. It's paid for. It's paid for. And we've done a lot of work on it, so you can kind of see. It's not perfect. If you're looking for the perfect church building, that ain't Carpenter's way. If you're looking for a place to be discipled, come on. That's where we live. That's where we are. That's where we run. And the church, and, and, and for those of you who are watching online, if you used to go back to church because it's full of hypocrites, get over yourself. Welcome. That is so much doo-doo. That is an excuse. It's ridiculous. You're making excuses. Of course we're hypocrites. If you go to a church that says we're different, don't go to that church. We are as bad as every other church that other people ever been to. But one thing you're going to know is all about Jesus. That's it. You go to a church that talks about anything other than Jesus, walk out. Because I'm telling you, the day is coming when Jesus is all we're going to have. Well, he's all we have now. That's, that's not true. We've got children's ministries, and we've got air conditioning units, and, and handsome preachers with great mullets. We've got all that stuff. I am becoming a culturally appropriate. We, we are... But the day may come when we don't have any of that anymore. All we have is God's word in each other. And what a wonderful and terrible day that will be. So why don't we start acting like it now? It's all we got. All right, back to this. Acts 13. 
Verse 9. I'm really moving now. <laughs> Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. I love this. He looked the sorcerer in the eye and then he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop preventing the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid hands of punishment on you and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, a mist, a mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished about the teaching about the Lord. Whoa! Satan lost that one, just the first one he's going to lose. I just want to make it clear to Lucifer and all of his friends that are in this room, your day is coming, baby. And we will celebrate the change you will be wrapped in and the fire you will burn in. Don't be an easy target, Christians. Smart up. Quit listening to the liars. This is not your best life. This is your worst life. It gets better from here. If this is your best life, if you live your best life, hell is coming. How about that? Think about that. This is the worst life. This is the closest thing you and I will ever experience to hell. So we should not expect more from this life than difficulty and, 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 and joy, but also work 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 for the kingdom I'm tired then die tired more tired burn yourself out oh churches burn people out yes for the kingdom burn yourself out that's not good preaching I didn't say I was a good preacher come on family he's worth it look what he's done for us When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished. Notice what he was astonished. Not at the demon leaving this guy, but the teaching about the Lord. Satan and his servants may roar, but God always has the final say. I, I want to encourage you. I haven't encouraged you to memorize a verse in a long time, but here's a really good couple verses to memorize. First John. You belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over these people. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Next time Hollywood upsets you, next time Washington, D.C. unsettles you, remember this. Verse 5, would you put it up there? Those people belong to this world. So they talk like it. Don't be offended at the gay agenda. Why shouldn't they have a gay agenda? Those people, those, those people block the world. But we belong to God. That, that one sentence right there changes everything. They belong to the world. We belong to God. They feed their flesh. We sacrifice our flesh for the king. That's what Paul and Barnabas are doing. They didn't go on a missionary journey because they wanted to see the world. They went on a missionary journey because God called them. Acts 13, 13. Here we go. Paul and his companions left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. 
There John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. And we'll get into this in, in a few chapters. But the reason John Mark's leave is because they had a fight. Dear Lord, make us just like the New Testament church. There you go. I'll, I'll explain it to you in a couple chapters because they make up. Don't break up because of stupid stuff. But God uses our silliness anyway. We don't really know what happens with John Mark when he goes to Jerusalem. We just know he leaves and there's a fight. Verse 14, but Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. Why did they go there? Because God wanted them to minister there. Side note, this is free. While we follow Paul and Barnabas now on their missionary journeys, I just want to let you know that in Antioch, ministry is still taking place, right? And, and also in Jerusalem, ministry is still taking place. And in all these little towns that come and go, Pamphylia, Pergamos, God is working. Well, how do we know what he's doing? You don't. Nobody may ever know the name of East Texas except when hurricanes hit. And surely nobody will know the name Carpenter's Way or Mark Wilkie except God, and he's the only one that matters. But God has placed you in this time, in this place, where you are, for his purposes by the direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Don't undervalue your task. You are called. Every one of you. So they went inland to Antioch of Pisidia. On the Sabbath, they went to the synagogues for services. After the usual readings of the book of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent this message to them. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. Isn't that great? I mean, when God wants us to speak, he opens the door, and sometimes he ushers you to a pulpit. And that's what we see here. You'll notice in the coming chapters that whenever Paul enters a community where there's a synagogue, he begins his ministry in the community there. Um, Paul and Barnabas have really no idea what God is going to do in those communities, so he starts in the places where people, they agree on Jehovah. He starts at a common ground. So he goes into the synagogue. In verse 13, it tells us what he does. So Paul stood up. He lifted his hands to quiet the crowd. And he started speaking. People of Israel, he said, and you devout Gentiles who fear the God of Israel, listen to me. Boy, is he speaking in a, in a Hebrew context or what? He's still, and it's okay, he's still making Gentile Christians kind of, or Gentile Hebrews kind of second class. But that's how they were seen in Hebraic things. If you were a Jew, you were automatically in. If you were a Gentile, you could come in, but you had to identify yourself as a Gentile, be circumcised, and stay in the outer courts of the temple. You were a second-class citizen. And I love it. I think that respectfully speaking, Paul's working within the culture he's in. We are not in a religious, moral, or nationalistic war. Paul doesn't have to win a cultural conversation. He simply must be obedient to his tax, his task. So Acts 13, verse 16. So Paul stood, he lifted his hands to quiet them, and he started speaking, men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Then with a powerful arm, he led them out of their slavery. I love how a, a witnessing or studying how Paul witnesses for Christ. He doesn't blast those silly Jews who rejected Jesus at the beginning. He starts by agreeing with them. He doesn't start by saying they're religiously wrong. And I think, I think as I was thinking about this, I wanted to say this as clear as I can. We must not care for just doctrinal and moral truth, but for those that we are speaking doctrinal truth to. They're precious to God. 
This is not getting people to walk an aisle or pray a prayer or become Baptists. This is about introducing people to the one who can forgive them. We must care as much for them as we do the message. Verse 18, he, God, put up with them, these Hebrews, through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After that, God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of tribe of Benjamin who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man who, about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And the synagogue must clap, just like you did during that, uh, uh, the resurrection line in that song. They must have clapped. Because I know that you think, wow, that probably was offensive to them. But you understand, the Hebrews can read the Old Covenant too. They have the book of Kings. They know about David. They know about Saul. They know about Saul. They have to find him hiding in the Remember that? These are not fools. They believe this. And In reciting history of the children of Israel, he points out of God's choosing of them and their rebellion of him. Paul, Paul is about to make a case of how they have fallen short of their covenant relationship with God and their need for mercy. Verse 23. It is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Now they stop clapping. Now they lean forward. Or back. Or roll their eyes. Before he came, John the Baptist preached that all the people of Israel needed to repent of their sins and turn to God and be baptized. Please notice that he says all. You see, in, in Judaism, there was an idea that you are automatically redeemed if you're a Jew, because you're a Jew. Now he's saying you're automatically hellbound because you're a human. As John was finishing his ministry, he asked, do you think I am the Messiah? No, I'm not. But he is coming soon, and I am not even worthy to be his slave and untie the sandals on his feet. Brothers, you sons of Abraham, and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been told to us. And he points to he and his brother Barnabas. We know it. Bam. Paul makes the case that they agreed upon history that time after time God had rescued Israel from the mess of their sin, and now finally, God has offered the ultimate answer. He doesn't shy away from the truth, but he doesn't bust their chops either. The message of good, good news is about freedom from the penalty of sin and the ultimate restored relationship with God, despite their inability to keep the law. So he continues. Verse 27. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as the one the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him. And in doing this, fulfilled the prophets' words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. And when they had done all that the prophecies said about him, that's kind of crazy. So he's saying they were doing exactly what they were supposed to do. They took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone with him to Galilee, to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. Present tense. So if you, my friends, have questions, just go to Jerusalem and ask them for yourselves. It's kind of cool, isn't it? See, you and I always have to point back, but they're saying, don't take our word for it. Take theirs. And now we are here to bring you this good news. 
The promise was made to our ancestors and God has now fulfilled it for us, their descendants, by raising Jesus. This is what the second Psalm says about Jesus. You are my son. Today I have become your father. For God had promised to raise him from the dead, not leaving him to rot in the grave. He said, I will give you the sacred blessings I promised to David. Another Psalm explains it more fully. You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. This is not a reference to David. For After David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried in his ancestors and his body decayed. Now, again, I love this, but that's because my brain is finally wrapping itself around not religiosity. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about decomposing bodies here. And, and facts that they can't deny. They would all visit the tomb of David. They would all honor No, it was a reference to someone else, someone who got raised and whose body did not decay. God is missing. We are here to proclaim that there is through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sin. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Now, context. So these people are at the synagogue on Saturday in order to try to be made right with God, to try to get back to the law. They want to keep the Ten Commandments. And, and they all know, just like you do, in the deep place of their heart, they all know. Awesome! And, and I want to tell you this morning, if you're watching online or in this room and you do not know Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel is not about the Baptist church or the Assemblies of God church or the Evangelical church. It is about Jesus Christ, who is the second member of the Trinity, who came to the earth to die on the cross for your sins because you will never be good enough. You don't deserve it, which is exactly why it's called mercy. You are forgivable. But you've got to want God to do it. You cannot do it on your own. You can try. You can spend the rest of your life trying. But you don't have to. Why in the world would you ever pay for your own sin when somebody has already paid for them for you? Then he finishes. Verse 40. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you. For they said, look you mockers, be amazed and die. For I'm doing something in your own day, something you won't believe, even if someone told you about it. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. <laughs> they had schedules too. <laughs> I love that. We don't come up with church once a week of our own. It's always been that way. Hey, come back next Saturday. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two urged... Uh, the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. If you're seeking a right relationship with God this morning, forgiveness, then I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the only one who can do that. Not your priest, not your pastor, not walking an aisle or praying a prayer. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you want to be forgiven, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Well, who do I confess it to? Him. It's not complicated. He's here. He's listening to you. He's in your living room. Call in the name of the Lord right now. Just tell him you know you're a sinner and you are unable to stop. Thank him for his grace and be forgiven. 
the following week, the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. And I know, brothers and sisters, it's like, man, they were so well accepted. Well, let's read the end of the chapter. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it now to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, it was made, uh, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and they thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout the region. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. That may be coming, but it won't be unusual, will it? Can I just say that we've never been persecuted in this country, really? Just because they don't want you to meet because of COVID doesn't make you a persecuted believer. You follow God. I'll follow God. And we'll follow him together. Well, what if, I don't know, ask our Iranian brothers and sisters. They're already there. They ran them out of town. Paul and Barnabas shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Joy. Joy. Anger, hatred, resentment, frustration is not a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is. And when God is our obsession, there is joy. There's joy. Live in joy, my friends. If you're a child of God in this room, online, live in joy. It's going to be 83 today and very low humidity. Be joyous. Because the mosquitoes haven't figured out it's time to come out yet. Live in joy. The sun came up this morning. It was beautiful as I drove in the parking lot. It's going to be a beautiful day. Enjoy a meal with your family. Have ice cream. Because God is good. You know why you can have a good day? Because you're not going to hell. That makes it a good day. And that also means that you can go to the mall where they have that silly little carnival with those machines that are not well watched. And you could ride that dumb thing and die and still be okay. <laughs> Guys, I, I know the scriptures are intense. They, they really are. I look at this and there's good news in every chapter and there's scary news in every chapter. But the good news is so much better than the scary stuff. It is well with our souls because of God. And why do we gather every week? To remind each other it's going to be okay. What do you mean it's going to be okay? I just was diagnosed with something deadly. I know, but it only gets better from here. This is the closest thing to hell we will ever experience. How cool is that? Go buy some ice cream. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, give us joy and let us see you in the face of every person we meet. Remove our frustration, our anger, and our bitterness and replace it with hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Have a wonderful day. Bible study will start in a few minutes. And uh, if you're visiting or you want to shake my hand, I'll be up front.